Do we want to talk about this on the podcast? Are we are we are we recording? Is this gonna go on the show? Yeah, we can. I can keep whatever. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. So, are you gonna play? So, tell me about where your season's at, then. I guess. Well, right now we're in eighth, and if we win one more game, we're definitely in. Uh, we have we have we don't have the tiebreaker with the team in the ninth spot. Oh. So if we if each of us lose the next two games, then we're in. If they win one and we lose both of our next two games, then we're out. So, yeah. but our schedules both against like two of the top three teams. So we're not yeah. going to win. So we'll see. We uh, we were in a similar situation. We our our last game was on um, was on Sunday, but we were um, we were in eighth with two weeks to go. And the ninth place team was two games behind us. And uh, they ended up winning twice. And so we had to win one of our games. So two games left, we went to play at Fenerbahce, who is like, obviously, like, for those who don't know, it's like one of the top teams, if not the top team in Europe. So we go to play at Fenerbahce, and we're like, okay, uh, we're probably going to have to win at home the last game of the week or last game of the season because – not not a big chance we're gonna win win this game, but um, we actually won at Fenerbahce, and then so we secured uh, the our playoff spot with uh, a week to go. Yeah, that was a big and then you it was huge. Uh, I had twenty three and fourteen. Yeah, that's a big and uh, yeah, and they hadn't lost at home in over three years, like seventy two straight home games they had won in Turkish league. So it was definitely a big deal, and um. Yeah, so then, then the last game of the season against a team who is not as good as Fenerbahce, but still a good team, um, was if we won, we had a chance to go all the way to sixth. Um, if we won, we were guaranteed seventh, maybe sixth, but we ended up losing that game. Um, the other team just played in, uh, a ridiculous game, played, played one of their best games probably of the year. And so we, we finished in eighth, but – from where we came from, uh, going into New Year's, we were in last place. Um, we got a new coach around that time, a couple new players. And it's like we had like – it's been a historic season for us because we literally went from last place, like about to be relegated. And, again, for those that don't know, that means we would have been – our team would have been sent to second division because we finished last. And now we're in the playoffs. So it was, it was really historic. How many teams at six, 16? Well, actually, it was supposed to be 16, but one of the teams, um, Trabzonspor, which is a Turkish team, one of the teams uh, going into the season was just like, hey, we can't, we don't have the money. And they just folded, like, before the season even started. So it ended up being 15 teams. And so, every, you know, we all every team in the league got two extra buys. So whenever you were supposed to play that team, you just didn't play that week. Um so 15 teams, normally the last two get relegated, but this year the last place team gets relegated. So. Yeah, so then, so Fenner, is Fenner even in first? Uh, they were until, but when since they lost to us, they're going to, they finished second. Um, Ephes, uh, the other EuroLeague team here in Turkey, actually finished in first. So that's who we match up. We match up against Ephes. Both of them are in the EuroLeague Final Four. Yeah, so that's like crazy. EuroLeague is like European NBA. It's like second best league in the world. They're bo- so those two teams are both in the EuroLeague Final Four. They play each other 
on uh, Friday, I believe. And uh, so we match up with Ephes, who is honestly is having a really, really good year. They got a good team. Um, so it'll be it'll be a challenge for sure in the playoffs. But um, I'm actually excited to watch the EuroLeague Final Four, to be honest. Yeah, so that starts Friday. And then yeah. – yeah, I guess that gets done, and then you guys start your playoffs. It gets yeah, so tricky around that's, this yeah. time with the playoffs and yeah, who's gonna play? I mean, shit, we're, we're like we are waiting for our playoffs basically. Like, there's you know, like we have teams in Euroleague, but Maccabi is out. They've been out, but it's taken us like six weeks to play six games. The yeah, last six it's games the worst. The season. We could it's have already started our playoffs and been that's, in the middle of the first round. And that's the thing that. Well, so we actually have to wait. Um, our league wait. So the EuroLeague Final Four is the 17th and 19th, I believe. Our game is the first game of the playoffs. It's on the 22nd. So playoffs get pushed back to wait for the the EuroLeague Final Four to finish. But in your situation, I, I, I can relate because, you know, we were playing twice a year in, in Champions League as well. And once that finished, we got, you know, you got your last eight games in eight weeks. And it's just like, you know, it's dragged on. The whole season could be done in April, but it's, you know, it's dragging into June. Um, and it's just, it's, it's almost like you're knocking your head against the wall. Like, can't we just finish this, man? Completely. Every year, man. And it gets to about June and you're still sitting there and, you're watching the NBA finals. You're like, how the hell is this happening right now? Yeah. 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 NBA teams are done and you're still playing regular season. Like, exactly. come on, man. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm missing the 500, I, man. I'm missing the Indy 500. When, when is it? Yeah, 26th. Ah, uh, tough. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I, I, you think about the people that like play for their national teams. Um, or in that in that play Euroleague, you know, imagine those guys that play Euroleague and play national team. They literally like play basketball the whole year because they finish this season, you know, Euroleague final four. They go to the finals in their league and then, you know, turn around and go right to national team camp. It's like they never stop. Uh, yeah, never stop. No, I've had conversations with people here, you know, kids that have the same type of schedule. I'm like, do you guys ever like work on your game? That's what you I'm guys saying. Just play five on five in practice. It's like no, we just play five on five. Like okay. Yeah, like well, how do you how do you how do you make any improvement? You know, I I, I got injured a few years ago, and I looked at it as a blessing because I got to go home. I went home in January, and then didn't play again until the next season. So um, after my rehab, I had from like March to August to actually like work on my game. But other than that, you know, you got a month and a half when you go home, and you know you're still trying to also enjoy your family and, you know, have, you know, go see your friends if you want to in different places. And, you know, you don't got a whole lot of time, so you're not, how much can you actually improve your game in that short amount of time? Not much. Not much. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird life. Yeah, that's it's, for sure. Yeah. I'm like sitting in, and then you don't even qualify for these tournaments. You're never even close to winning for some of these countries. And it's right. It's over. Right. So, well, we were supposed to talk about uh, about the early departures of like uh, JP and uh, and Iggy, but now we got another departure. So yeah, we got, we got a lot another big one. Uh, 
kind of came out of nowhere, but I guess after that whole Detroit thing, you know, it seemed like he really wanted to coach in the NBA. I mean, I woke up or I got some read some shocked headlines. I mean, were you completely shocked or have you been? Oh, yeah. So I didn't even have service when they get, it dropped. And like uh, KT told me, my wife told me, um, she was like, yeah, uh, did you see what happened to Coach B? I was like, what are you talking about? But yeah, he he took the Cav- the Cleveland Cavaliers job. I said, no, you're lying. And and you know, I then I go and look at my phone, and you know, there's the headlines, there's the social media. You know, obviously you got uh, at least a few different people text you about like, whoa, you know, want to know what's going on. And then you know, after a, after an hour or two, then you got reporters start to text you, and um, it was it was definitely a shock. But you know, like to your point. I was really shocked last year with the whole Detroit thing. And I thought I was like, and when I heard the Detroit news, I was like, yeah, no, he wasn't really serious. Like, no way. And, um, you know, I spent my summers in Ann Arbor and trained there. So, like, I see him a lot. And actually, like, we actually spoke briefly about, like, the whole Detroit thing. And he was like, yeah, no, I I was serious. Like, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have, like, done it if I wasn't for real about it. And uh, and so, like, it, I was shocked last year to, 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 number one, to hear that he was interviewing with the Pistons, and number two, for him to tell me, like, yeah, I was, I was really serious about it. I was I actually wanted to. And uh, so this coming at, you know, ne- the next year, like you said, like, after that news, you're kind of like, you were surprised to hear it, but just, like, when you think about it, it's not that surprising. Right. Yeah. He wants a challenge. I mean, did he, For did sure. he explain why he did it or he just kind of... Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was the thing. That was the thing. He was like, you know, it was about the challenge. It's about the challenge for him. It's about, you know, wanting to, uh, wanting to, to take, you know, that's him. He's, he's gone from every single level and been successful at every level. I don't think that he would be, that he would feel fulfilled in retirement if he had given his best shot at, the only level he has yet to coach at, you know? And so I think it's just about, you know, for him, he loves Michigan. His family loves Michigan. But, you know, what more is left to do other than win a national championship and, you know, going to two title games. And I also think, you know, he feels like it's only getting harder to do that to to consistently. And so it's like, you know, I'd imagine he he wouldn't – he's not going to coach for more than a decade another decade he's 66 so he's like yeah you know let me do th- let me give th- this last you know frontier a chat a-, a try my best effort before i you know actually retire right people like isn't he you know hasn't he won enough like isn't he old enough like what is he doing and he's like no it's because because he keeps winning yeah he wants to try something else. It's yeah. Like, All right. Well, then can I win here? Then can yeah, I win exactly. this here? It's like he's not going to stop. Like he was supposed to retire, what, like two or three years ago? And he, yeah, he exactly. He can't quit it. Like you can't – once you have that feeling, good luck quitting it, man. And if you're capable of doing it and you feel like you're capable of doing it, I mean, try and convincing them. Even with grandkids galore, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to quit it. And – and um you know, to your point, I think that's what makes him so successful as what made has it's what has made him so successful in his career is that, you know, he's always seeking that challenge. He's always trying to, 
uh, you know, accomplish something, you know, unattainable. I mean, it's it's unattainable to, for most people to, to – his path is, is unattainable. And so for him, he's just always got his eyes set on that next – that next level of achievement. And, you know, to your point, how much more can you win? And I think, you know, being all Michigan's all-time leading, all-time winning as coach, um, two national t- championship appearances, Big Ten regular season championships, Big Ten tournament championships, what more is left to do? Um, at this point, the challenge of the NBA is so much, so much greater than any challenge he can, he can, you know, he can find at this, at the college level anymore, I think. So, I mean, and, and like I said, he's going to, I imagine he'll, he'll retire soon. He's got a five-year contract with the Cavs. Um, He'll be 71 when that's up. How much more is he going to coach at that point? Right. I have this weird theory, like, he's like that perfect coach to – transition into the next move you know when like teams you know like the Warriors got like Mark Jackson and then they transition into Steve Kerr and then like teams do that a lot yeah 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 you know once they get to like a certain level and not saying he can't coach but like yeah I feel like it's a perfect situation like he's gonna want five years and then after that is you know it's gonna be enough yeah probably once you get to about 70 and you know the grandkids are starting to get a little older yeah um and you know, you, you've been in Cleveland a little, a little bit away from your family. So, I don't know. I feel like, you know, if, if, if all things go right, even if he's, like, winning, it'll be, like, still a perfect transition into a different coach into him into retirement. But, you know, you never know. Like we said, you know, we keep thinking he's going to quit, um, and he doesn't. Yeah. But it's funny. People also wondering, like, why Cleveland? And I think, you know, it's close enough to Ann Arbor and to Michigan where I think he ultimately wants to retire and, you know, um, where his daughter is and his grandkids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's got the he house, talk- he's got the house up North in Michigan. Right. Right. And he talked about how taking the Detroit job was like, you know, close enough to the family. Like that yeah. played a big part into it. Um, and yeah, I, think, I agree. And the other thing was Dan Gilbert, you know, I'm, I think I remember Dan Gilbert's kids going to like Michigan camp. But, you know, I, I almost feel like Dan, like, got out, went out of his way and, you know, nobody was expecting it. But Dan, you know, convinced Beeline to take the job. And, you know, that's how it kind of came out of nowhere because I think they've already, you know, mis- you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Dan have connections with Michigan and, you know, Detroit and all that? Right. Um, you know, and I think, you know, one, you know, you can't overlook the relationships aspect. Um, I think outside of Detroit, they've got really good relationships with Cleveland. Um, obviously, Mike Gansey's there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, he you know having a great relationship with Coach Beeline, um, I think that helps. Um, obviously, proximity, like you said, it's a natural fit. He's got people there he's comfortable with. He's not too far from his family. He's not too far from home, um, and I think that that those are all important factors to consider for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. I mean, Cleveland's a tough, tough roster situation. I think, you know, not the best owner in the league. Um, right. They got a little – they didn't quite win the lottery last night. So, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch. But it can be done. I just don't think it's quite set up for success. But 
you know, we have a little bit more time with you. Let's talk about why we think he can and or or will not succeed. Um, but first, to start out with, you know, why do you think he will succeed in the NBA, or what what just general makeup, or even the X's and O's of it? Like, what do you see that can translate to the NBA? Well, I like your point of uh, him being, uh, and 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 if I can elaborate a little bit more on your point about. Mm-hmm that transition coach, I think what, what, um, what makes you think that and, and what, what makes me think that he could be successful is the fact that he has a developmental focus. And so if you get a, if you get the right group of, of, of young guys in there um, that can buy into what he's trying to do, um, you'll see that he will develop players. He'll develop a culture. He'll develop, um, he'll develop a mentality and, I think that's going to be one of his best uh, best strengths going into the situation is being a, he's a student of the game. You and I both know how much he studies studies the game, how much he watches film. Um, he's um, whether we like to admit it or not, he is pretty innovative when it comes to, to player development, skill development. You know, he obviously has some some quirky ideas, but a lot of times he he you know it works. It works. He's able to really hone in on specific skills on specific. Uh, situations that will benefit players in game situations. And in the NBA, so much of it is situational driven where you've got players that can specialize in a few skills and and reading a few situations and be really successful. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a coach that is good at developing um, skills, um, you know, shooting, passing, handling the ball, um, a coach that is uh, experienced in developing decision-making in certain uh, situations. In the NBA game, you're going to see this the same situations repeat themselves over and over again, and you're going to have to consistently make the right read, the right decision. And for a coach that specializes in developing those areas, if he gets the right guys in um, and the right staff, you know, obviously there's so many other factors at the, at the NBA level, but if he has the right guys in, he, you, you could see him developing some really uh, effective players and, and potentially some effective, uh, an effective team, a winning team in, in the Eastern Conference, which is, is a lot less cutthroat than the Western Conference. Yep. Especially at the end. You know, it's going to be interesting to see because, uh, like you said, you touched on at the end there, He's very good at surrounding himself with smart people mm-hmm. and putting people in places with knowledge that he admits and will freely admit that, you know, he needs some help with, which I think is the ultimate sign of leadership. Um, now, at the NBA, it's going to be a little different, and you're going to be hiring coaches that have already have experience at that level. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of things he still has to learn. Like, there's nothing more for yeah. him to learn in college basketball. So. You know, he's going in a little green there, and, you know, it, it's a little adjustment because you got to – it's, like, even more humbling. You know, you have to learn certain yeah. things. Maybe, you know, I, I read an article where maybe it's a change his terminology with things. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen there. It'll be interesting. Is he going to run Bulldog anymore? You know, Right, what, right, right. Well, I, I mean, I forget all the names. I read all of these names in the articles. It's hilarious to like reminisce about, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I remember like the, well, the the only only about half of them still exist. You know, he adds so many new things, so many new wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think ultimately he'll definitely try to keep some elements, 
And um, but uh, NBA offense is so simplified. Even just a professional offense, as you from your experience, is so so much more simplified um, than than a college set. You know which actions you want to get to. You 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 dial up certain actions for a certain type of players you got, and um, and you depend on the players to make the right plays, to hit their open shots, hit the shots that when they're called on, do their job. And and that's why I think that he had that he has the potential to be successful. Like you said, he's going to surround himself with um, with intelligent people that are going to be able to uh, give him sound advice, sound input. Um, I think that his his success is going to depend on, like you said, his learning curve because it's a different game. It's a and be, even beyond the court, everything's different. Yeah, everything's different. Completely. Um, How you deal with people for an eighty-two game season? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's so different. It's gonna, it's definitely gonna come down to his learning curve. But, um, and I'm not sure how much time you've been around uh, Michigan basketball or how much time you've been back to see him. But I can say, I think he's more ready for it now than he ever was. He definitely more ready for it now than he was when you or I played there. Um, he's grown so much. He's given players so much more room to to uh, to grow and to be themselves. And um, I think that. You know, I think he's ready for that transition off the court. But I think it's going to be how quickly can he learn, you know, that game at the next level and um, what type of people is he going to surround himself with. That learning curve is going to be the biggest thing. Completely. I mean, like, you know, when Colin Sexton's going two for 15 for three straight games in the middle of the year, and, <laughs> you know, he's got to be like, all right, that's three of 82 games. I got to live yeah. with it. We got to keep moving on. Like, he has – like this kid has to keep shooting and keep playing and keep staying confident. Yeah. It's a very different mindset, um, you know, top to bottom. You know, not only do you have management to deal with and you, you have bosses that have bosses. So, you know, it, it's going to be a learning process that I think, I don't know, we can speculate on. And, and like you said, you know, like when we played for him, I would never would have imagined it. You know, I saw him on some lists yeah. back in when I was in school and saying like, yeah, this is like the, the top guys that maybe can make the jump to the NBA. And I was like, there's no way. There's just no way. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want to deal with that life uh, the way he was able to control the, you know, the way he is in college. But yeah, he has softened. He has changed um, yeah. the offense. He has given up freedom. He's, you know, you can bicker back and forth with him a little more now. Uh, there's so many different things that he's changed. I mean, one example, one example I can think of is like, <clears throat> you can remember how the music was, and like <laughs> we'd be in the yeah, weight room. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, we'd be in the weight room, and like um, when Coach B was coming, somebody would have to run to the iPod to switch to switch the music because he was he was he hated the unedited music. And I remember coming back to campus a couple summers ago and being in the gym. And um, let's just say it wasn't the most wholesome music playing. And it was just blasting. And he just walks in and he's like, hey, what's up? And it was like, not like he didn't even hear it. And I was like shocked. I was scared for the for the players. I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. And but nothing. And um, just and just wait, you know. Simple things that he used to want to control, you know, he used to want to control those things would have made it impossible for him to make this jump. But the growth that he's, that he's had 
and that's what I mean, giving players more freedom to be themselves, giving, you know, letting go of some of those things. Um, and also I think him, it may, right? like it's not fun to worry about those things at the end of the day. Right. Like, it's just right. another another small detail you have to worry about that is just yeah, really almost basically inconsequential. And yeah, that takes for sure. away from other things. So for I sure. think in that sense he can definitely he can definitely adapt to the NBA style. It's just man, that is a long season and that is just a different mindset. I'm not saying he can't you, do it, but like it is tough. You can't coach NBA guys and be worried about those things at all. It's not sure. possible. You can't worry about all that, that stuff as much. Like, and, and, and I said this in an interview yesterday. One of the things, you know, when you talk about dealing with people, you're going to start dealing with players that are higher paid than you, that are more important than you, right. you know? They have a bigger um, voice. Yeah, they got a bigger voice. They're more of a priority for the organization than you are as the coach. Yeah. As in coming from Michigan where he he was the voice, he was the, you know, he was the the ultimate decision maker Which may be on the fun program. For him. I mean, he's been the focus of basketball wherever he's been for like his entire career. Maybe now, I don't know. Maybe you can just take a step back. Yeah, you know, there are people that's more a good point. About what Colin Sexton does than what play he's calling. I don't know. Maybe it'll be yeah. fun for him to just focus on basketball. Yeah, part of it. even just like ha- not worrying about some of these other things, not having to worry about academics in class and yeah. chasing guys down if they. Yeah, exactly. You know, he can just focus on focusing on basketball and putting guys in the right situation right. to be successful. And maybe that is better for him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I hope we get some honesty from him. I, I'm uh, worried, you know, like in the first year, rookie coaches, you know, they kind of keep their guard up. Uh, yeah. Kinda like David Blatt was. He was miserable. I think Coach, Coach B will not be like that. But uh, I, he had an unreasonable level of scrutiny on him. That's true too, uh, David Blatt, and he really, dude. and you really can't say a whole lot when you're trying to coach LeBron James. What can you really say? No, but I mean, you can you can give some honesty into like your first year and like you know the pressures here and the adjustments you have to make from a different league. And David yeah. was just like stern, stern faced general. Right. I don't know. Right. It was just boring as hell. He's the same way. And it didn't help. Anyway. It did. It didn't really help him either. Anyway, you know, to be that way either. So. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. No, nah, that's a good point. Um, but it, I mean, like I said, if people ask me if he's if I think he's going to be successful. I don't know. And the thing about the NBA is, there's so many other factors that dictate. Yeah. His, you know, his level of success. It's not. He's not recruiting players anymore. He's not. He's not. You know, what I'm saying he. He's only got so much he can do as a coach in the NBA. There's only so much you can do. Right. Um, there's, you know, so much falls on so many other people. Um, you know, how guys trade in the off season, what, who they draft, who they trade for, who Cap they get in free agency. Cap, yeah. Like <laughs> so many other factors go into, uh, him being successful. And, um, sometimes like when it, you know, at this professional thing, it's just, some of it comes down to, to, him and some of it just comes down to the right place, right time. Are the right people healthy? Are the you know, so many other factors can just can change a whole season, can change a whole legacy for real. No, for sure. I mean, he can be coaching well and be fired in two years. Like, yeah, the Phoenix Suns hire a guy, he coaches one year, it's an absolute shit show, and then they fire him. I mean, they've done that like for like the past three years. So, I Cleveland right. won't do that, but. Unless something drastic happens where they like lose every single game, but right, you know, it, it, there's so many. And and it's just it's just crazy. It comes down to like 
like you said, like a Phoenix, like they'll put so much emphasis on a coach. When you look at the team he's trying to win with in the Western Conference, yeah. um, what what goes back to the office? How much of that falls back on the office? Well, a lot. Well, you know, Sarver, I don't know if you read about him, the owner of the Suns. He's a complete idiot. He's ran that organization almost into the ground. So it right. makes a lot of sense. You know, Dan Gilbert is not too far off, I guess, but uh, at least more competent enough to keep things afloat a little more than what the Suns have been doing. Right. So I'm a little right. worried for Coach B from that standpoint because it's the Cavs and they're not in a great spot. And Sexton is supposed to be their best player now going forward, which, right. I mean, that's a toss up. So he has his work cut out for him. Uh, I wish it was a better situation for him, but I think, you know, I think he can be successful. Mm-hmm. People have asked me that and he said, I don't know. Like, that's just, there's too many question marks there to, yeah. We have a really good uh, prediction on that, but you definitely can do it. I mean, it's just not out of the realm. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, you can give a better answer as the season approaches and you see what the roster starts to shake out like. Exactly. In um, the first couple of weeks. And the staff, what that staff looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you almost think, you know, Detroit might have been a better fit, at least from a job standpoint for him. Cleveland is a tough job to go into. Um, so, you know, that's kind of why you're like, maybe this is just his kind of like last hurrah, at least in my opinion. Like, he's like, all right, let me try to give this a shot. And then, uh, and I can say I did it. It almost seemed like, uh, you know, like we should just feel like we should have seen this coming with the way he is and, yeah. you know, challenging himself all the time and, you know, you know, being confident with his abilities uh, but the college game seemed to fit him so much, but it changed the mm-hmm. last few years, you know. Yeah, well, we, we and, and like this coming. I think that, you know, if you really look at his who he is, his whole whole objective is to grow grow, grow young men, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily like, – he wants to win. He's a competitor. He wants to win. Don't get me wrong. But so much of about, about co- coaching for him was also, like, the reward of, like, you know, seeing seeing like a Stu Douglas like come in as a young scrawny freshman and finish, you know, and finish and leave Michigan a successful with a sex, uh, successful career. Those type of things is what he valued. And I think, you know, and to a lot of people's point, if you look at the landscape of college basketball, it's becoming harder to do that, um, especially at a, 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 a high high level university where guys get the exposure to be able to leave. Um, I think if you look at the way college, you know, basketball in general is going, it's going to a model where um, development gets put more and more on the professional ranks than it does on college. Um, you know, a record number of draft entries this year. Um, how many of which will end up in the NBA? Obviously 60 draft spots, probably less – roster spots open to these guys. How many of them end up in the G League? How many of them end up overseas? How many go back to college? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but I think the development, that, that development that he valued, <coughs> it's becoming less and less the norm in college basketball. And it's, it's getting, that responsibility is going, getting placed on, you know, the professional ranks. And I think he can, you know, he he senses that, and uh, 
when the, when the the piece of college basketball that you value the most is is kind of fading, um, you know, what reason do you have to stick? What reason do you have to stick around? Not much, especially when you've accomplished as much as he has. Yeah, you know that. Especially, and then you can do it probably even better at the next level. Like you can keep a guy right. for eight years, right? Develop him from when he's twenty to twenty-one, twenty-two. Like you can keep him for a long time. You can actually establish, you know, that kind of culture uh, for a longer period of time. Um, yeah, establish a team, and and you know, kind of that Spurs kind of mold. Uh, yeah, it's almost it's almost easier in the NBA just because it's from a possibility standpoint you only have four years in college with certain guys and even less with the good teams yeah so yeah i don't know i think uh you know that makes me kind of sad to think about what he could have done like if he had jumped to the nba earlier Mm -hmm. how much more but you know i guess you know like we said we'll wait and see he could go for 10 more years it could be five and he stays done but what do you think about uh, – I think what will be interesting to see is what shakes out at Michigan now. Um, yeah, what, um, you know, obviously there's now a head coaching job to fill. But I'd be interested to see, uh, too, what the rest of, you know, the staff will look like, who's going to stay from top to bottom. Um, but – Head coaching candidates, uh, obviously, talking about the coach from Texas Tech. Um, you got Rick Pitino thrown it out there, uh, Brad Stevens thrown out there. What do you have an opinion on who 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 might get the job? I mean, okay, I've seen Brad Stevens, I've seen Billy Donovan. I don't care for Billy Donovan. I've actually had people. Uh, tweet at me saying after they listened to uh, my podcast with Horford and, and Horford talk about Billy Donovan that they got sour on him and they don't really want him anymore. And I was like, yeah, I don't think – yeah, that's not the kind of type of guy I would want there. Um, Brad Stevens, good luck with that. I mean, I guess his contract is up. Right. But I don't know. I mean, he seems like another guy who wants to challenge himself in the NBA and right. didn't really seem to give it up. But I guess you never know. You have to at least call him. Um, yeah, I woke up this morning with uh, to a tweet that was chronicling a flight plan from Indy to Ann Arbor with probably Laval Jordan on it, and now he's, uh, I think, the favorite actually for the job. Um, which I thought I would hope so, man. Which I thought I, was I was a little confused why people weren't really mentioning him a little stronger yeah, earlier. Um, yeah, it seemed like just the perfect time. I. I I think he's done a pretty good job at Butler. I think there's more talent to be had at Michigan. Obviously, it's just it's just harder to recruit at Butler, but I, I think he would be a great fit. Um, yeah, I was a little co- a bit confused why he wasn't in the mix either because um, he was always he always seemed to me like uh, kind of like next up. Right, and it's um, you, you know, want to keep that you want to maintain that culture. You want to maintain. Um, you know, obviously the feel of the program from over the past decade, um, you know, Laval Jordan was instrumental in that, in that development. He was instrumental in that culture. Um, And to be honest, he brought a lot of those culture aspects with him from Butler. And um, so a lot of our culture, you know, we talk about our core values, um, 
talk about um, a lot of the sayings and all those things, you know, come from him, come from that Butler experience he had, and he brought those with him. So integral piece in building that Michigan culture. Um, I also was a little bit confused why he wasn't considered. I hope that they're taking a serious look at him. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they are – what they're looking for, you know, because you see it all the time uh, from a a professional perspective. Are they looking for the right piece or are they looking for the right name? And you hope it's the right piece and not the name. Right. That's it's been kind of confusing looking at some of these people, uh, these names being mentioned and thrown out. And I don't know, you can disagree with me here, but you know, a name like Brad Stevens, name like Billy Donovan, name like uh, Mark Few, uh, coach of Gonzaga. Mm. Like, I understand Michigan is a great program and there's been a lot of winning lately. Um, I'm not sure you can pull a Mark Few away from Gonzaga when he's probably had just as much, if not more, success or at least winning last few years. I mean, Brad, Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan, the big fish, uh, you know, they, these names sound nice. Um, I'm not sure you can really attract them to Michigan, and I, and I don't know if that's really the direction you want to go because you have the assistance in place now with that, you know, know exactly – what it takes to win with the type of team and program that Michigan is uh, with the recruiting and all that. And Laval, I think fits just right in perfectly. Now I know there might be some shakeups with the staff if that happens, but like you said, I just hope it's the right fit with what they already have. They don't have to just go and completely shake up things because maybe, maybe Brad Stevens comes and he can recruit, you know, top 25 guys every single year, but that's just not what happens at Michigan. Um, right. Maybe Billy Donovan can come in and do it, but you know, it, it it's are the expectations that are the expectations at Michigan too high for the the um, <clears throat> the level, the actual level of the program, right? Because a program where it's hard to recruit those five star players, Very you good. have expectations of those other programs that do recruit those players. Um, and that's, you know, obviously that's a testament to Coach Beeline and what he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, whoever takes his job is going to walk into very high expectations. Um, they're going to have a lot expected of them early. Um, and it's, you know, to your point, it's better to have people that are going to be able to win with the pieces they have than to have somebody come in and completely change the culture of the team, the the style of play, where now you're talking about a personnel problem for two seasons. Um, and that clashes right? with recruiting players clash. Recruiting doesn't look very good. You have, right. you're going to have more players that leave the program or maybe you dismiss. Like there's all sorts of things that can pop up when you completely yeah. overhaul things. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's something to consider too when, when, when they're looking for the candidate is somebody that's going to be able to, uh, Maintain, excuse me, this is somebody that's going to be able to maintain a smooth transition from, you know, obviously from where they are and, and continue, you know, what they have built already because you don't want that rebuilding process. That's nothing any program wants to go through, and it doesn't always work out well. And I think you can look at Michigan football as a testament to that 
and you didn't see two guys struggle to, uh, you know, obviously before Harbaugh, Harbaugh, excuse me, two guys struggle to, um, you know, you got a guy that comes in and completely changes the the style of play to where they need a new personnel. And then you got uh, a, a, two guys that need to come back just to, to re, you know, rebrand and re re-recruit what the program needs through two new coaches. And so now you got what, be, what, what, what should be a two-year process, uh, what is believed to be a two-year process and a personnel kind of recruiting change transition becomes a eight-year process, a 10-year process. Um, and, and that's what you don't want. No, hell no. Because it takes only a couple of years to like really lose players. You know, you have a couple bad classes. Yeah, and and it's and it and it's a there's a um, it's a it's a domino effect. Yeah, you know, it's going to affect your next recruiting class, which is going to affect the next class, and you you just don't want you don't want to have to deal with that. No, no, especially if you want to be consistently in the top twenty program. Exactly. Like. Exactly. You, you you fall off a little bit. I mean, you know, I don't know. There's only a handful of programs that can afford to do that and, and bounce back with ease. So, right. Yeah, right. it's going to be interesting to watch in the next few days. But uh, I don't know. I think it could be done here within maybe by the end of today, honestly, if, if, if they come to some nice agreement with Val. I mean, I don't know how Laval is thinking about this whole thing, but it seems like that's kind of where this whole thing is headed. So he might, he might take uh, a I mean, before I'm, we even uh, drop this. I'm sure that, you know, that's where, that's where he wants to be. Um, uh, obviously, he's a Butler guy, but, you know, his time in Ann Arbor, uh, I think, was really valuable in shaping him as a coach. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Michigan's obviously got a special place and it's hard with his family, all that. I haven't spent so much time there already. Um, and it's the next logical step. You know, being a, you're, you're a Butler guy, but you can't stay a Butler forever. No. That's not the ultimate goal. So I think, you know, I, I think it's pretty, it wouldn't be a crazy statement to think that, you know, this is a really important opportunity for him. And, and you know, that's all, as, as his ex-players, I think it's fair to say, we you know, we hope that, he gets really, you know, careful consideration at the very least yeah. if he's not the the next coach. But, you know, picking the right guy is an important thing, and it's it, it has a lasting effect on, on the program. This is a really important uh, turning point for Michigan basketball, you know, beyond John Beeline. He's made it a relevant national power. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah. How do we maintain? I don't envy Because it was a question that had to get – yeah, it was a question that had to get answered eventually. Um, so, you know, where do we go? Right. We thought this would have been answered uh, a few years ago. Right. I, I, I don't know about you. I know he had told, you know, told play different players how long he had planned on coaching. He was in no, in no universe did I expect him to still be coaching. Right. And no, in no scenario did I expect him to still be coaching at this point. So it, it, it was, it was going to come. It was inevitable, and we're here sooner than most people expected, but we're here, and now, you know, it's an important decision that, that's going uh, to shape Michigan basketball for, I think, forever. 